0: The book of Acts is more than a history book. It has much to teach us. And what I want to show you tonight is the government of God. You remember in the first chapter, before God could pour out His Spirit and fill His people, He had to get the twelve, His governmental number, established before He could pour into the church. Once the twelve were established and they met together, they then went into Solomon's Temple on the Feast of Pentecost, and God poured out His Holy Spirit on those 120, and the 12 stood up and represented the government of God. Peter preached, brought 3,000 to the Lord into the kingdom of God that day. And we read in Acts 2, 42, the four things they devoted themselves to. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. This is what we should do when we convene together as the government of God. This is what the government of God looks like in its assembly. All right? We can't forsake these things. This is our duty. It's not, you know, I want to get get together now and then. I'll take communion when I want. If you're going to represent the kingdom, you have to participate. You have to devote yourself to the ethics and principles and purposes of this kingdom. What would happen if people didn't show up to their offices and didn't vote on the bills that are supposed to be passed? What if they delayed and delayed and delayed? What would you get? America. We are not the government of people. We belong to the government of God. God commanded us That we're to devote ourselves to these things, the apostles' doctrine. Do you remember what the twelve stood for? They had to be from the baptism of Jesus to his ascension and see the resurrected Lord. They were the historians. They are the ones who could quote the words of Jesus, speak his teaching, because he taught them about the kingdom of God. And that's what they were bringing. This is a time. We're going to look at the book of Acts. This isn't just a a history lesson of, oh, look what they did. Wasn't it cool? This is about the government of God being established into the earth. If God didn't want to do that, we should just all go to heaven. He's trying to transform the earth to bring it back to the garden, back to what was established in the beginning. And it was for all nations and all people. This thing is historical. It is groundbreaking. It has now gone from the family of Abraham's loin to the family of Abraham's faith to the seed that would be more than the stars and more than the the sand. Now God was calling all the nations to come to Himself and reunite. And so what they saw is that when the apostles taught, God confirmed their word. I want God to confirm the word of the church again. Does the church need to have its word promoted by God? Right? We don't need the promotion of YouTube and, and tweeting and twiddle and whatever. We need God to back up His word again. But we've got to speak it with boldness. Where you saw the teaching of God's Word, you saw the moving of God's Spirit, signs and wonders. Where you saw the church fellowship, you saw health and vitality to the people of God. We're so fractured and we're so backbiting and we're so against each other and wounding each other by our words and actions towards each other. I know God this way, you know God that way. You're wrong, I'm right. That is not the koinonia of God. We witnessed it two weeks ago where some people gave up what they had and others came to receive it. And there was a unity, there was a spirit here of of help and hospitality, amen? And that's the koinonia that God wants to restore. I want you to know there, I, I was able to witness true koinonia in China under the persecuted church because these believers needed each other. They had each other's back. They had to protect each other. They may not have interpreted the book of Revelation the same, but it didn't matter. They needed each other. It's going to come a day where we're going to need each other. I could say something about that through COVID, but I'm going to leave that alone. But we need to come together. Whether we like things or don't like things, we need to be united as one people of God. Amen? Amen. Breaking bread. They came for fellowship of communion. The body. Remember me, Jesus said. This is so crucial because this is what separated them from Judaism. They easily could have been just another sect of Judaism because who was saved That 3,000? They were all Jews. They were in Jerusalem. Everybody getting saved was Jewish. And so this could have been simply another sect of Judaism. But the body and blood of Jesus separated it from being completely the new man in Christ. Amen? So we take the body and blood Because we are different, we are different than any other religion, any other community. We have a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Last of all, they prayed. And when the government of God makes its decrees in the earth, things happen. That's why we're still here. The one job Jesus has right now is as high priest, making intercession day and night. How serious is he? Day and night. Night and day. He could be sitting back on the throne, just absorbing the worship. That is not what he's doing. He's not ruling as king right now. Is he king? Yes. Don't get me wrong. But it's not till the end of the book of Revelation that he is crowned when he returns. His ministry right now, his occupation that he is full-time in, is high priest. To do what? Bring the kingdom to the earth. And what is his vessel to do that? The church. Us. The ecclesia. this word in the Greek means the called out ones. It was used for the government in Greece and Rome. They were normal citizens that the government called forth to meet together as a senate and make the decisions. God has called us from out of the world to come together to declare the kingdom of God. So we hold fast to the apostles' doctrine that keeps us in line. We have fellowship of love demonstrated manifest for all to see. We identify in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and therefore we pray for the will of God into the earth. That's what we do. Now, what Luke is going to show us in the book of Acts is this new authority coming into the earth. We saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we saw the language uh, being spoken of all the nations that's drawing all nations to the kingdom of God. And now we're going to see the new authority, the kingdom of God, break loose into the community. And Luke is going to give us some examples to show us this. And what he's going to show is that the apostles' teaching has authority. Here's the government of God, the 12 who have given us the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we use those words, if we use those truths and we make them a declaration, we will see it has authority over sickness and sin. That's what sozo is, salvation. You'll see that the gospel of Jesus Christ has power over demons Powers over sickness and power over sin. Those are the categories and areas of so-so power. That's what God came to do. It speaks of the power of sin and death, that curse, that the law has been fulfilled in Christ and now we have the authority to speak over sickness and death and the demonic realm. That the kingdom of God is opposed to the demonic realm and has authority because it was completely stripped at the cross. There's no reason for the demons and the demonic to have the power they have. They get away with it because the church is not exercising her power. So that's what the apostles' doctrine does. Luke will show us that. Then we go on and we're going to see that through the fellowship that it's going to broaden. That it's not just Jewish believers, but then it's going to become Samaritans. Then it's going to become Gentiles throughout the world. Because the government of God's kingdom and the fellowship that he has is calling all people back. In fact, he says this in Galatians. His kingdom makes a distinction. And it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We're one in Christ Jesus. You talk about koinonia. You want to talk about how to fix race relationship in the earth. You know how to fix the problem with racism? Jesus. Jesus. If we would have one heart, one mind to understand the apostles' doctrine on how to treat each other, how to love each other, and how to focus our unity on Christ, we will see that break away. Because there's no distinctions in the kingdom of God of color or race or economic status slave or free Jew or Greek male or female amen when they broke bread you're going to see the authority of the church at this point it's called the way we're going to see in Antioch where they get to be known as Christians Christ-like ones why would you call someone Christ-like so How do you act like Jesus? What would have to show up, manifest, to say, gee, that person's acting like Jesus? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And most of us consider that as cursing with His name. That's not what that means. What it means to take the name of the Lord in vain is to misrepresent Him by your actions. So we're to identify ourselves in Christ so much so And I'm wondering, do people really identify us as Christians? Right now, Christianity doesn't have a great name. So we need to get back to what Jesus did and how he did it. Last of all, prayer. The decrees and the authority of heaven. It says, as they broke bread in their new identity, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Last of all, for prayer and our decrees... Acts 4.19, what is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to Him? That's what the apostles had to make a decision. Now let's get into the illustrations then that we have here. As we're looking at the book of Acts, now we see the government of God breaking out into the streets and doing acts that are necessary to be Christ-like. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3. He's going to give us an example now. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask for alms to those entering the temple. What are alms? Money, cash, yeah, he needs, he needs help. He's crippled, he can't, he, he can't make a living, he needs finance. So they'd bring him to the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go to the temple, he asked for alms. Hey, could you spare a dime? Could you you give me some cash? Peter directed his gaze at him. In other words, he stared intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. They commanded attention. They had something to say. They had something to give them. Man, I want to be so full of God. Yeah. I want to be so full of God that I've got something to give away to everybody. That I have that sense. You need something, You need cash? I'll give you cash, but I've got something so much better. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah. Right? That's us. That's us. Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have... I give to you we can preach on that what God gives you he expects you to give away we can't be hoarders of the spirit of God or the gifts of God what God gives you God blesses you how many of you are blessed anybody here could say you're blessed how many of you are blessed to have the things you have right If God could trust you to give what you have away, he'll give you more. Not for the need, not for the point of you getting richer and richer, but because he's got a conduit by which he can reach people. He's waiting for his church to open up again. I think we've got galvanized pipes. We're all filled with gunk. God wants to flush out the church so that we would stop hoarding the blessings of God and start giving them to everybody people are desperate right now. He said, silver and gold I don't have, but I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. I I have to go through this because I'm trying to teach you the authority, but each phrase here has something to say to us. There's a lesson here in healing. Right? They trusted that what they had was the authority to heal people. Yeah. What I have, I give to you. What, what do you got? Rise up and walk. So what's the conclusion? You got walking power. Yeah. They, they believed they could fix that problem. Yes. So much so that they said, rise up and walk. But here's the key to activate faith. They didn't walk away. They pulled his arm and said, get up. We pray so often for people, but we don't ask them to act in faith. We don't ask them to take the next step with them. I'll pray for you, brother, or I'll pray for the sick, and then we move on, where we need to pray and then say, how's that feel? How's the shift? Try it out. Take a step of faith, right? And that's what they did. And the man rose up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. When were his feet and ankles made strong? Immediately, but when he rose up. That's when they were healed. We're waiting to get healed and then manifest. He, it was when he acted and received. And he leaped up and he stood and he began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, this was not an unusual occurrence as we've seen before, right? As we've been studying, I mean, they were putting sick people out in the road just so Peter's shadow could touch them. There were healings going on every day. This is amazing stuff. All the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the gate beautiful of the temple asking for alms. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, there's an interesting... Uh, discussion with scholars about this man at the gate beautiful because the gate beautiful was a very specific gate that most people came in and out of to the temple he had been there he's 40 years old he had been there for years so you have to ask yourself who would have walked by him just a few years earlier probably jesus why didn't jesus heal him right? So Jesus may or may not have walked by this guy. Did Jesus heal every human being in his three-year ministry? No, he didn't. He knew he was going to release a church into the earth. He knew he was going to release a body that would go forth and bring the same authority and power into the earth. This man just had to wait for that. So sometimes we have to wait for our healings. We have to wait for the timing of the Lord. Is that fair enough? All right, let's keep going. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon, astounded. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Now it's his opportunity to preach. What do signs and wonders do? Draw attention. What is a sign? What's the purpose of a sign? To draw attention. To direct you. All right? So the signs and wonders. We've got to be careful. The signs are wonders are are not the end all of what we want. Many of us think that man if we had signs and wonders in this church and and daily people were healed wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be everything? People would come. You know, people can see signs and wonders and not accept. Signs and wonders point to someone greater. They point to Jesus. The greatest thing we can do is give people Jesus. And the signs and wonders point to him. This is an opportunity. Peter and John, all the people ran together. So Peter stands up and he says, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this and why do you stare at us as though through our power or our piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. One thing you, you notice about Peter, does Peter back down at all? The gospel, we, we have blunted the tip of the gospel so that it doesn't pierce. Because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want anybody mad at us. We think we've failed if they get mad at us. The first reaction to the gospel is anger. come mad. Because the second one is then you become sad because you realize you've been pierced, you've been pricked, and you're sad about your sin. And the third one is you become glad because you hear about a Savior. So let's not blunt the gospel. Let's just put it out there. Why did Peter say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob glorified Jesus? Very good. Speaking to the Jews, he, he's saying It's Jehovah. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob glorified Jesus. The one who you had a chance to release and you didn't. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the authority of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Again you see his reference to the twelve. They are what? The witnesses. We've become The witnesses. We use that as a term for evangelism. Are you going to go witness? It's not an act. It's a state of being. We are witnesses of this gospel. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that Christ, Messiah, would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins would be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, Jesus. Interesting verse here whom heaven must receive until the time for the restoring of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So he says, look, I know you guys were ignorant. He nails them, says it was your fault, you did this, you could have had him released, but God planned this and is out of your ignorance. So now you need to repent. Now that you see it, you see the power, you realize the witness of who he is, repent. And he says this about the kingdom that he can be your Messiah too, heaven must receive Jesus until the time of the restoring of all things. What does that mean, heaven must receive? You know, I that up because it almost sounds like heaven has to, all right, yeah, come on, you can come in. We have to. Well, we have to let Jesus come. Doesn't it sound like that? Heaven must receive him. But the phrasing of that and what it means is the must is that it cannot be any other way. And what it means to receive, uh, it means to hold place. Jesus must hold his place in the heavenlies until, the Father says, the end has come. So Jesus is holding his position, and as he's holding his position, we are to be at work in the earth until the end. We can't give up. We need to be doing this. Again, he's talking about the government of God. Okay, let's remember that. The reason this stuff is happening is because God has seated His authority on the throne. He will remain there. He is operating there for all of this to happen because He is dethroning every power, principality, and demon over every nation, and He is calling those who were once blind and dead in sin and sickness to life. This is an affront to the authorities in the heavenlies and on the earth, the kingdom of God has now come. We got to get the impact of this thing. We minimize it. We say, oh, well, the book of Acts, that's about talking in tongues. That's about that one day when they spoke in tongues. (laughs) So much more. Well, that's when the apostles did all those fancy miracles and cool signs. We're missing it. It's when the kingdom of God came to planet earth and now you're seeing it unfold before your eyes. People who are sick are raised up because of the power of God because Christ must be ruling and reigning in heaven until the Father pulls the plug on everything. He goes on, he says, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whoever he tells, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after also proclaimed these days. He said, this is the fulfillment. This is it, man. This is the government of God. Everything that they had promised, here it is. Every promise to Abraham is now being fulfilled. Samuel spoke it. Moses spoke it. I can go through every prophet and name, every promise he made. Now is the time for those things to manifest. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed, he said to Abraham. God, having raised up this servant, sent him first to you. To bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Wow. I want that. Right? And as they were speaking to the people, uh uh-oh, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. One lame man to 5,000 souls. What is the greater miracle? 5,000. But Peter doesn't differentiate Between saying to one man, get up and walk, or saying to 5,000, receive Jesus Christ. It's all the same thing. It's by the unction of the Holy Spirit. But the authority of God's kingdom, now it's being released in the earth, but uh uh-oh, what's going on now? Who's coming against them? The Jewish authorities. The rulers of the temple. And the rulers of Israel. This is a confrontation now. Why do you think you're running into your problems? Why do you think that when you try to witness, someone doesn't want to hear it? Or why are we so surprised that people don't accept the gospel? From day one, it's a matter of authorities. It's a matter of authorities. You see in this? So they arrest him. The next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered them together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or what name did you do this? What are they questioning? The authority. The authority. Hey, we're not in on this who gave you the right to do this who gave you the power we're the ones in charge i've got the special outfit here special hat the nice garments you're just a fisherman who gives you the right how did you get this authority where is your power coming from again we're back to authority everything that you and i have to contend with has to deal with authority Whether it's demonic in the spirit realm or whether it's man, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but men and women hold power structures of authority. And they resist the gospel. Look at this. By what power? And I love this. Then Peter, filled with the spirit, said. I like that. There's sometimes you can't, you don't know what, he didn't know what was going to be asked of him. There are times where the Spirit of God will rise up in you and give you what you need to say. Didn't Jesus prophesy this? Yes. Rulers, uh, this is <laughs> I love this. this is just another opportunity to preach. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget, i got to tell this story. So we were arrested in China. Uh, our, our brother Brad and myself, Pastor Steve, we were arrested, we were under house arrest for three days. We were interrogated for two days. And they were... Uh, questioning whether we were preaching the gospel what we were doing there we told them we came to teach and to help the Chinese people because we love them uh, it's a long story but anyways there we are we're being interrogated at the end of this thing they said fine you have to leave the country uh, but we want you to appreciate our hospitality we're inviting you to come to a meal <laughs> it's 11:30 at night they're pushing me out of the room to walk down a dark wall to go to a meal. And I'm going like, where's my friends? (laughs) Because I didn't know where they were taking me. So the rest of the gang came. We go. There's all the police that arrested us. There is the head of the religious bureau of that region of China. There's the mayor of that city. And we're all sitting there. And we're being served food. They figure this is done. We're all through. All right. And so we were being kicked out as religious people and uh, the whole time we were trying to work around not being labeled that because we didn't want the Chinese believers to be persecuted it wasn't about saving ourselves and so as we're getting ready and this brother this this brother Brad he lives in China and has ministered there 20 some years we're ready to break bread we're ready to eat and as we're sitting down to do this he says oh wait a minute and I look and I go you know, I'm wondering what he says. We always pray before we eat. I died. We just spent two days trying to dodge this bullet, and he, not him. And he stood up. He commanded a blessing upon every one of them. Prayed for the food in Jesus' name. Commanded a blessing upon the police, the mayor, all this. Man, that blew my mind. That blew my mind. And here it is, Peter. By what authority? You know, they're chained, they're locked up, they're arrested. What authority do you do do this? And he's like, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let me tell you. This Jesus is the stone that which rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Woo! You rejected him. He's the cornerstone, according to Isaiah, the cornerstone of the kingdom of God. Man. How many of you want boldness like that? Man, I want boldness like that. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. This guy's quoting prophet, scripture, and everything else. Now, when it says uneducated men, people have misunderstood that. Many translate that as, well, they were just dumb fishermen. Fishermen were not stupid at that time. They had to speak at least three different languages. Peter owned his own business, and John and James worked with his father's business. These were professionals. Fishing was one of the top careers in that region. It fed so many people. These guys were not stupid. They were also Jews, so they were brought up under the tutelage of Scripture. They had to spend the first six years of their life learning the Torah After they learned the Torah, they went on to the next level of learning the law. It was at that point that they were either going to go into a career or become a rabbi. Obviously, they went towards the career. They didn't have the the studiousness of becoming a rabbi. That's what they mean by these are uneducated men. They didn't have rabbinical training. That's all that means. But they were astounded at how well they could speak of prophecy in the word of God. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. Maybe that's the difference. We've got to spend our time with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say. (laughs) What do you do with that? But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these guys? (laughs) for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But in order that it may be spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them, do not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather to God, you must judge, for we cannot speak of what we've We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What just happened there? Whose authority are you going to obey? That's a question for us. Whose authority will we obey? There are coming times when the laws of this land no longer represent a moral, biblical view. The laws will no longer uphold moral biblical principles. Who should we obey? God. If you obey God, will there be consequences to your actions? Yes. Dietrich Bonhoeffer understood this clearly. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor in Germany during World War II. Hitler had come to his place in authority. Bonhoeffer had found out what Hitler was doing by this genocide against the Jews, killing so many. He knew that he must be stopped because he was a murderer killing people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer had a moral dilemma. He was approached by others who wanted to assassinate Hitler. His moral dilemma was, That's taking a life. If I take a life of this man, I will be saving millions of lives. What should I do? So he decided to go ahead and join the group that would assassinate Hitler, knowing full well that he must take the consequences Of that action if he's found out they will kill him and he did they found out and they put him in prison a couple days before Germany collapsed and Hitler killed himself Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed but he understood that was the risk Peter and John are saying We will obey God and not you, full well knowing that all hell could break loose against them, that they may end up dead. But I would rather be obedient to the Lord and die for His name. Many of us are afraid of persecution. Many of us are afraid to have someone against us. We've got to start learning to obey God and make that choice, amen? When they had further threatened them, they let him go, finding no way to punish them because the people for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Here's the conclusion. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them, and when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, here's their prayer, they stood their ground in the authority of God's kingdom versus them, versus the kingdom of Israel. And they prayed, Sovereign Lord. What does that mean? The God above all other nations, all other their powers, all of their principalities, we're making our appeal to the top. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They're quoting the psalm. Now, has that changed? Do the rulers still hate Jesus? Do the governments and nations still oppose Jesus? Well, if they haven't changed, should we have? No. no, then we should be the church of Acts. Amen? For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Coming against the government of man. Coming against the government of principalities and powers. There are threats that are waged against us. There are threatenings of prison and jail and fines and beatings. There are crowds who oppose us. And as the church prayed, they recognized this is no different than what scripture says will happen. The nations will rail against you. All we ask for is this one thing. Give us boldness. They didn't say give us get us out of here. I hope nobody gets hurt. And this is the one testimony that I witnessed from the church in China that I've talked to many believers who have been persecuted, that have been beaten, that have been wounded, that have been put in jail. They've lost their property. The people we were with, that we were arrested with, every one of them lost their property in that city. They were kicked out of their homes and their houses for the gospel to come to a meeting for three days. The, toll, the bell is tolling. <laughs> heed the bell. And you know what was the one prayer of Chinese believers that I have heard over and over who have been in persecution? It was never, get us out. It was always, may we always speak with boldness the testimony of Jesus. We all want an escape. If we escape, who will represent? So, again, I refer to you, the signs and wonder that took place to heal this man presented the ability to preach the gospel. Peter preaches the gospel, and they were added to in numbers. This is exactly what I shared with you in Acts 2.42. Because they were followers of Jesus. That's the blood and the name. And the one thing they prayed was for boldness. And through this boldness, the kingdom will increase. This is the same thing we have to do. We've got to preach the word of Christ. Not the latest preacher, not anything else. Know the word of God. Let's preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preach the blood. Preach the resurrection. Preach the ascension of Jesus Christ we will begin to see the signs and wonders. That's not what we're after. What we're after is what those signs and wonders will do. It will draw the lost, and we will preach the gospel because they will see our unity and our fellowship together. And because of that, we will pray for them, and God will bring in a harvest and meet their needs. That's the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads. God help us your gospel hasn't changed this world hasn't changed so why have we stripped your gospel of its power why have we neutered what you're showing us here may the church find the glorious fire that burned in its infancy what was then was a a lighting of a flame but in the end times it should be a bonfire I believe that bonfire is rising up now. I believe that in this room right here, we have prophets and apostles, evangelists, pastors and teachers. I believe that you have people here who will pray for the sick and they will recover. I believe we have people here who will see visions and dream dreams. I believe that there is a koinonia, a fellowship among us that will care for one another. I believe, Lord God, that when we, this church, these people, when we pray, heaven will be moved to change something in the earth. I believe the kingdom of God and the authority of Jesus will come into this house, into this neighborhood, into this city to dramatically change lives. God, bring your kingdom manifestation through your people here today. We ask this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen.